Happy Halloween, fellow football fanatics. The Michigan Wolverines and the Ohio State Buckeyes are the only two undefeated teams left in the Big Ten Conference. Both carry an unblemished 8-0, 5-0 in Big Ten Conference play record. According to ESPN's FPI, my own potential power ranking system, and I believe even college football nerds' power ranking system, and I think the JP poll, Josh Pate's power rankings, all of those, last time I checked, and their last updated versions, had Michigan and Ohio State inside of the top two. I think there's an argument for both the Wolverines or the Ohio State Buckeyes, along with some other teams, to be the best team in all of college football. Georgia has an argument, Washington does, maybe Florida State, Oregon, I think the Ducks have an argument to be power-rated one, but with that one loss on the road to Washington from just a pure rankings perspective, I don't think they have that argument. But it's safe to say that Jim Harbaugh's squad, Ryan Day's squad, their coaching staffs, their players, these programs, you name it, are elite right now. And the matchup that will be showcased to the college football world on November 25th will feature everything beautiful about the sport. The matchups, the angry players with smoke coming out of their ears and eyes, the rivalry hatred, the intensity, the game planning, the execution, flawless passes, seamless runs, interceptions, forced fumbles, hard hits, you name it. The game, the game, the game. I cannot wait for the game to be here. This is coming from a Michigan fan, by the way. A Michigan fan who has tremendous respect for Ohio State's program, for the dominance and control that they had over the Big Ten for basically the entirety of the 21st century. There are games for these two teams to play still. Ohio State has to face Rutgers this weekend. And then the Buckeyes, they have to play Michigan State and Minnesota before they travel to Michigan. Michigan has to host Purdue this weekend, then travel on the road to play Penn State, travel to play Maryland before hosting the Ohio State Buckeyes. Fellow football fanatics, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I do not care who you are. Tune into this game. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. How do you feel about the game this year? Who do you think is going to win? By how much will a win in Ann Arbor for either of these teams propel J.J. McCarthy or Marvin Harrison Jr. to the Heisman conversation? Or will the winner of the game win the national title, which is what I predicted in the preseason, is that the winner of this matchup would win the national title? I want to hear your thoughts. What do you think about Michigan versus Ohio State? Tell me in the comment section below, please, and thank you. Also, Make sure to subscribe to this channel and click the notification bell so you can get notified when I post episodes like this next week, the following week, the week of the game. I'm going to be doing one video discussing the game for every week of November because this rivalry is just that important, and I think we can all see the collision that is being set up to occur on November 25th. Again, none of these teams should be looking ahead to this matchup. I know that in the back of their minds, they're already thinking about this rivalry game, but Michigan especially still has Penn State, 
who's a top 10 team, and Ohio State with some of the struggles that they've had, they can't overlook anyone either. But nonetheless, tell me your thoughts in the comments section below. I have a new playlist slash podcast on YouTube that's dedicated exclusively to Ohio State and Michigan football. Um, It's called The Game to End All Games. If you want to check it out, you can probably find it in the playlist section of the channel. It is made public. I'm a huge admirer of this rivalry. I really am. And if you've been following this channel for any significant period of time, you know this. I mean, I am a Michigan fan. I bleed blue and... I see maze. That's a weird way of saying that I'm a Michigan fan. I attend the university. I am a student. I intend to graduate with a degree from the University of Michigan. But I like toughness. I like intelligence. I like success. I I like a lot of things that I think are good. And when it comes to college football and the standard that's set for being an elite program, Ohio State is right there. They haven't won the Big Ten since 2020, but they've still been in the playoff conversation right up until the end of November, and they've been in the national title conversation every year under Ryan Day, except for 2021, after their loss to Michigan, which earned them their second loss, and unless mass chaos was to ensue, and every favorite was going to lose their conference championship game, there was no way that Ohio State was getting into that playoff matchup. For Ohio State, this is a road trip. The weather will probably not be favorable. Now, they have changed their scheme defensively. They're more conservative. They're tougher. They're better against the run, much better against the pass. They don't allow big plays, period. Amen. Offensively, they've changed their scheme. They've tweaked it, rather, The Buckeyes want to run the football, they want to establish game control, while still maintaining the threat of Marvin Harrison Jr., Cade Stover, Emeka Ikbuka, and a quarterback who can deliver. As we'll discuss throughout this video, and particularly when I go in on a deep dive about the Ohio State Buckeyes, we'll be doing one for Michigan too, they do have problems on the offensive line, and they do have some inconsistencies at quarterback, which has made their offense look lethargic at times, and then the following drive, they can be lights out, on fire, unstoppable. So there's a weird dynamic about Ohio State's offense. The defense is among the best in the sport. And Ryan Day made these changes in an effort to beat Michigan. Ohio State and their staff made a conscious decision to change their identity, to try and win the Big Ten, beat Michigan, and reestablish control. This potential win would mean a lot. It would be momentous for Ryan Day in Ohio State. It would give Ryan Day a break, in a sense, from his own fan base and from all the noise in college football. It would release a lot of pressure off of his back. It would obviously help him in recruiting, although Ohio State right now is the number two recruiting class and it's neck and neck with Georgia's number one recruiting class. For Michigan, they host the Buckeyes. The Wolverines right now look like 2022 Georgia with a higher ceiling. Now that's just my opinion. I don't know how accurate that is because let's reverse engineer everything about the Wolverines. They look like college football's most efficient team. 
but Ohio State has played Notre Dame on the road and Penn State at home, also Wisconsin on the road. Michigan's toughest opponent by record alone, looking at win percentage, is Rutgers. Michigan has a strength of schedule that, according to ESPN, resides outside of the top 100. It's the 111th toughest strength of schedule. Their first test, in truth, will be against Penn State on the road, and seeing how Penn State has played and how Ohio State dominated them, how the Nittany Lions struggled against Indiana, Northwestern, Illinois, there is a world where the Wolverines' first real test of the season might be against Ohio State at home. A win for Michigan just gives the Wolverines a further mental advantage over the Buckeyes, and it will give them an edge in recruiting. A win over Ohio State, especially given the recent sign-stealing controversy, would be the ultimate slap in the face to Ohio State. I've seen Ohio State fans, and this is understandable, although I don't think it's a complete picture, talk about how the only reason Michigan has beaten Ohio State is because of this, you know, sign-stealing and illegal advantage. Well, Connor Stallions is suspended from the staff. Michigan, in that sense, no longer has what some people describe as their secret weapon. If they beat Ohio State by three touchdowns without Mr. Sign steal, or as Mike Valeni affectionately calls him, Sergeant Stallone, then what will that say about Ohio State? Michigan no longer having their advantage, and it was an advantage, regardless of what some Michigan fans might say in the comments down below. Regardless, if Michigan wins big without that, the pressure on Ryan Day will increase. Jim Harbaugh, he'll continue to climb up the ranks in college football, and Michigan will be poised if they do go especially 12-0 and if they do beat Penn State, which will be a challenge, and then they also beat a challenger in Ohio State. If they go 12-0, and win the Big Ten again, they'll have won the Big Ten for three years in a row, establish their own run of dominance, lock up a college football playoff spot, and I imagine, as they are right now, be one of the favorites to win it all. So there is a lot on the line in regards to the game. There always is pride on the line, typically, this game helps to determine who is going to win the Big Ten or who's going to finish as a top 10 team. Traditionally, this game would determine in the 10-year war who would go to the Rose Bowl, so on and so forth. This game, along with last year's game, and very few like it. 2006 probably being another, another one. There are very few editions of any rivalry and this one included, that helped determine who can win a national championship. 2006, whoever won that game was going to be the number one seed in the BCS, probably would have gotten blown out by Urban Meyer's 2006 Florida team, led by Chris Leak and Tim Tebow occasionally played as like a shotgun run quarterback. But Nonetheless, that game helped determine who was going to essentially be guaranteed a spot in the national championship game, and the loser would even have a chance in a rematch. This was a similar story in the 2022 game, and I'm skipping over 2016 because, and same with 2021, because the teams already had one loss, both of them entering the game, and while 2021 Ohio State, with their offense and upside, might have been capable of producing two games where they just outscored their playoff opponents. 
I don't think 2021 Michigan would have won the national title. And 2016 or 2016 Michigan or Ohio State, pardon me, they wouldn't have won a national title. Both of them would have gotten blown out by Clemson or blown out by Alabama. Period. Amen. But 2022, that edition of the game, I think both 2022 Michigan and 22 Ohio State could have won a national championship. And looking at how these teams are playing right now, I think it's going to be the same story for this edition of the game. My projection entering this matchup is that both teams will be 11-0. Potential power, it hasn't been fully updated yet for this week, but based off of last week's rankings, Michigan was one, Ohio State's two, Michigan was won by a long shot, and then being on a bye guarantees they'll be number one in this week's edition. Ohio State, I bet, will be number two remaining because their defense is just that strong, that elite, and they have a great staff everywhere, head coach, offense, defense, and despite several injuries that have been inflicted on both sides of the football, Ohio State still has one of the best strength and conditioning staffs in the sport. Mickey Mariotti and his staff do an excellent job at conditioning these players and preparing them for the NFL. It's why Ohio State continues to churn out high-level offensive linemen, wide receivers, running backs, tight ends, and quarterbacks. C.J. Stroud right now has nine passing touchdowns and only one interception. And I hope, personally, again, this coming from a Wolverine, I love his attitude. Um, I love how he approaches the game. He has a high football IQ. He's accurate, strong arm, humble. I hope that, you know, if, if J.J. McCarthy can't be the next Tom Brady, um, let C.J. Stroud be the next Tom Brady, please, if, if such a thing is possible. This matchup is going to feature an insane amount of NFL prospects, future NFL players. I anticipate that there could be a scout from every single one of the 32 NFL teams. I did a poll about a week ago, and there were four options on the poll, asking if Michigan would win in a close game, or if Michigan would win by two or more scores, and vice versa for Ohio State. About 33% of participants in the poll, of about 2,500 total people, 33% of them, 875 as a rough estimate, picked the Buckeyes to win, 65% of you all, about 1,625, picked Michigan to win. From what I could find, there haven't been any lines released right now, but I did find Michigan being favored by 2.5, according to Action Network, when you click on the Michigan-Ohio State game preview. So I went with that number. I've also seen some Michigan minus sixes floating around. In the preseason, Michigan was favored by simply one point. I imagine based off of how these two teams are playing, if both of them do go 11-0, um, barring Michigan looking like complete garbage over the next three weeks and coming away with close wins, I anticipate that Michigan will be favored. Potential power baking in the big house into the equation, which the big house is given more than a field goal, home field advantage value as it's a large stadium, and Michigan has had a very long win streak dating back to um, the game against Ohio State in 2019, if you count only home games with fans in the stands. I hate counting games during the COVID-19 season as home games. 
Michigan baking in home field advantage is favored to win by around two touchdowns or more, according to potential power. Now, potential power is something that I want to change in the future. Perhaps I could change it in a week or two, but for sure, when it comes to 2024, as I only have so much time, I do want to include a strength of schedule, strength of record component. I don't value strength of schedule or strength of record as much as a lot of people do, but there is still value there that I want my equation and ranking system to touch on. Ohio State, to this point, and probably for the whole year, given that they you know, face Notre Dame on the road as a non-conference opponent, meanwhile Michigan's toughest non-conference opponent is the UNLV Rebels from Las Vegas, Ohio State has played the toughest strength of schedule of the two. Consequentially, since both teams right now have an identical record, Ohio State has the tougher strength of record. However, that's about where Ohio State's advantages, at least according to statistics and analytics, end. Except, of course, for recruiting rankings and 24-7 sports team talent composite rankings, which is why Ohio State is ahead in football power index compared to Michigan, because Ohio State has more five-star and four-star players. You look at, for example, average in-game win probability. Michigan's one. Ohio State, I think, is third, fourth, or fifth in that category. Michigan is number one in game control. Ohio State, consequentially, is number two. And when you look at efficiency, Michigan is one overall. Ohio State is three. But Michigan has a 96.2 efficiency score. Ohio State's is an 89.4. Oregon, who's second, has an 89.6 efficiency score. So according to ESPN, Michigan by a mile right now is the most efficient team in all of college football. Michigan has the most efficient defense, the second most efficient offense. They have the 111th most efficient special teams unit. However, Michigan has not had to use their special teams unit much. Michigan rarely punts, they rarely kick field goals, and they you know, occasionally return a kickoff or occasionally return a punt, but they haven't had to use their special teams unit for much. I'm not saying that Michigan has this elite special teams unit that's being disguised by a lack of performance. M- Michigan's special teams unit, I think, in fact, this year is pretty me- mediocre. It's worse than the 2021 and 2022 special teams units. But the Wolverines are a beast when it comes to the numbers, when it comes to cranking numbers. And Ohio State, they've played tougher competition. They have greater talent. But over the past two seasons, Ohio State entering the game looked like the better team, especially in 2022. But Michigan had a matchup advantage. A matchup advantage that we won't know until the clocks hit zero on November 25th if Ohio State has truly um, resolved that matchup advantage that the Wolverines have had over the past two seasons. Again, going back to the whole sign-stealing controversy, yes, Michigan did likely know some plays. That's why they were you know, spying on Ohio State and these other programs. However, you watched the matchup between Ohio State and Michigan for the previous two seasons— Michigan was obviously tougher. They obviously had the better offensive line, and they've obviously had the better defense. They have. And Michigan's schedule suits November weather 
more importantly, power beats finesse nearly 10 times out of 10. Nearly. Um, power on in the trenches, but also having a safety net. Having pure power with a backup plan beats finesse, beats speed. The reason why Ohio State lost to Michigan last year, but nearly beat Georgia, is because Michigan had a better safety net, the secondary. Now we enter 2023. We're two-thirds of the way through the regular season, and Michigan on paper and via the eye test looks like the better team. And I've seen some Ohio State fans on my channel it'll tell me in comments that they're not very confident about their chances entering this matchup. And that's very understandable. I've watched my team crush the Buckeyes for the past two seasons. I'm not exactly confident for this matchup. There's a lot of high stakes here. But I can say from an objective point of view, Michigan has had a matchup advantage in the past that has allowed them to compensate for having inferior recruiting and for not necessarily playing like the better team through the first 11 games. If Ohio State hasn't rectified that matchup disadvantage, and Michigan looks like the much better team like they have been through the 11 games leading up to the game, imagine what the result of that matchup could be. And especially with the rumors surrounding the investigation into Michigan, and the, the fact that Michigan's played up to competition. They have punched above their weight class when it comes to Ohio State. And I would argue that if Michigan was able to get past TCU and, and not overlook them, they would have been able to probably punch above their weight class fighting Georgia. These past two Michigan teams have been very good at utilizing what they have. I mean, Michigan is going to be playing with, they're going to be playing on fire. And I expect Ohio State too as well. There are just, there's questions about both teams. Really, I'm kind of nitpicking here when it comes to talking about the downsides. Michigan rightfully is favored, is really what I've been trying to communicate for the past two seasons. They are going to be the favorite, more likely than not, unless they lose to Penn State and look lethargic against Maryland, even with Ohio State's larger fan base more money behind them, and having that better recruiting talent, which analytics love as well, not just points per play, yards per point margin, or yards per play, etc. Michigan will likely be favored when the lines open up. I don't know who all is going to bet on Michigan or Ohio State. That could go either way, and I don't want to go too far into projecting that. But Michigan's favored by FPI. They're probably going to be favored by Vegas. My potential power ranking system views Michigan as the better team when it comes to coaching, when it comes to development, and when it comes to basically every position except for defensive backs, where personally, I do think Ohio State might have the decisively better secondary, not just by a small margin, but perhaps by a very sizable margin. Um, as we can see, Looking at Ohio State, they're number one in average passer rating allowed. Michigan is too, but again, when you look at a lot of these stats, you have to adjust in your mind um, for that strength of schedule. And for Ohio State to be number one in any category with the schedule that they've played is remarkable. Secondary's number one in average passer rating allowed. They faced Sam Hartman. 
They faced Drew Aller. They've faced Talia Tagovailoa. Wisconsin's quarterback showed some admirable poise. They faced Austin Reed and Western Kentucky. They faced Brendan Soresby and Taven Jackson. And Brendan Soresby, for a few plays and a few drives, looked like 2019 Joe Burrow against that Penn State secondary. Uh, That was quite a game that I covered, and I was glad that I watched um, most of that matchup. Initially, I wasn't tuned in because I thought, well, Penn State's just going to smoke the Hoosiers, but that didn't turn out to be the case. We're going to deep dive into Ohio State, as we see right here, and then we'll deep dive into Michigan to close out this session. Ohio State is 6th in points per play margin, 2nd in yards per point margin, 24th in points per play, 27th in yards per play. They're 16th in average yards per carry allowed. They're 1st, as I've already mentioned, in average passer rating allowed. This defense is clearly better, clearly, at defending the pass than it is at stopping the run, which, you know what? Kind of reminds me of Michigan's defense for the past two seasons. I've mentioned in earlier videos, and I don't know if Ohio State fans can tell me in the comments below, if you take offense to this, I've compared this Ohio State team to 2021 Michigan. This this Ohio State team is 2021 Michigan with a slightly worse offensive line and a better secondary and a much better wide receiver core. It's basically 2021 Michigan with a higher ceiling is what this Ohio State team is because I've made this comparison before as well. I think it's a good analogy to point out that Cade McNamara is a better version or excuse me, Kyle McCord is a better version of Cade McNamara with a better wide receiver core. I mean, Kyle McCord is high football IQ, much more game manager than athlete. He has questionable accuracy at times and questionable arm strength, but he's still good in all those categories. He just doesn't have an elite ceiling. And outside of that matchup against Wisconsin, where he did look very rusty, he rarely makes mistakes and he does have good pocket presence. And despite his immobility, he will use his legs to escape the pocket and pick up yards rather than being, let's say, J.J. McCarthy last year where he didn't know if someone was in his face, which meant that he would cough up the ball a lot and his offensive lineman would have to recover there. So Ohio State's an interesting team this season. At the same time that we know that this team's mentally tough, and that their physical toughness is going to improve as the season goes on. And at the same time, we know that they can beat teams, good teams, bad teams, great teams. There's also so much we don't know about Ohio State. They have the best strength of record. That's the known. We know they can go on the road and win. They can win at home. They can beat teams who are physical. They can beat teams who have finesse. I mean, but what we don't know about the Buckeyes is we don't know what their upside is. That's something that I have been questioning in my head for a few weeks. And the longer this year goes on, I, I'm waiting for Ohio State's offense to flip a switch. I am, you know, this close, holding my index finger from my thumb by about the width of a hairpin. This close to saying that Ohio State's offense is never this year going to flip that switch 
where they are going to resemble 2021 or 2022's offense. That being said, I still think they have the best combination of talent and upside this year. And I think where you see that combination of talent and upside the most is not on offense. It's it's on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, look at these defensive statistics, the, the bottom four numbers on the left-hand side of this slide. Opponent points per play allowed. Second, opponent yards per play allowed. Second, they're actually ahead of Michigan in yards per play allowed. Average passer rating allowed per game. First, average yards per carry allowed. 16th, but they've played Wisconsin, Penn State, Notre Dame. That's Braylon Allen. That's Nicholas Singleton. That's Catron Allen. That's Audric Estime, Jabron Payne, and probably another Notre Dame running back who I'm forgetting because they have an awesome rotation. They're playing offensive linemen like Tanner Bordellini, Olu Fashanu, Joe Alt. This defense has faced offenses that are probably more run-heavy or are better at running the football than they are passing. If you want to say that Ohio State's pass defense is inflated, I will listen to you because Sam Hartman, I still think he's an overrated quarterback. Drew Aller is performing at an even worse level than I expected, and I was not high on him in comparison to the media and many other college football fans were in the preseason. And Wisconsin doesn't have a great quarterback. Tanner Mordecai was below average, and he's down, and his backup, who's, I'm blanking on his name right now, his backup is, I'd say, a below average at best, bad quarterback. Um, so the Buckeyes defensively elite, no doubt about it. And that's why you see the points per play margin, despite Ohio State only being 24th in points per play, which last year they were they were either first or second, and the other was Tennessee in that top two by quite a wide margin. And in 2021, it was similar. I think Ohio State was number one in points per play in 2021. It's becoming very clear this offense, at a base level, they're not close to the 21 or 22 offenses, and they might have an even lower ceiling than the same base level difference compared to those two offenses. I mean, Kyle McCord... We have to face the reality that he is not C.J. Stroud. He never will be C.J. Stroud. But I don't think Ohio State needs him to play at a C.J. Stroud level as much as they need this offensive line to pick themselves up and to continue to improve, and as much as they need the running back room, especially Travion Henderson, to stay healthy. Uh, the, the defense has just worked wonders. There were a lot of people calling for Jim Knowles' head after the end of last season, and I'm thinking to myself, he runs a complex scheme, he tried to bring a Big 12 defense to the Big 10, his defense this year looks a lot more Big 10-like, more four-man front, pure four-man front, not that weird hybrid four-man front with the jack position. That was the best thing that Jim Knowles did, was get rid of that jack position, because Ohio State, in terms of sack numbers, I think it's the same, if not lower, than last year. But they're not blitzing as much. They're getting more pressure with fewer men being sent forward, which means they're a more efficient defense, pass rush, 
and they're, they're able to stop the run against competent offensive lines. They, they held their own. They held water at the point of attack against Notre Dame, Wisconsin, and they just, anni- I mean, they straight up annihilated Penn State's rushing attack. The strengths of this team are an elite defense, and they have NFL athletes at offensive skill positions. Marvin Harrison Jr. right now could be playing himself into the Heisman Trophy conversation. I don't think he'll win the award, let alone go to New York, because he doesn't even have a 1,000 receiving yards yet. He has 889 receiving yards, 8 receiving touchdowns, and with the quarterback he has and the offensive line that his quarterback has, those are impressive numbers, but we know that the Heisman Trophy is biased toward quarterbacks. Other NFL players include wide receiver Emeka Egbuka, who has 303 receiving yards and 3 touchdowns, tight end Cade Stover, who has 429 receiving yards and 3 receiving touchdowns, Travion Henderson has 457 rushing yards, he's averaging 6.7 yards per carry, and he has 6 rushing touchdowns. Quarterback Kyle McCord, he has 2,163 passing yards, he's completing 64% of his passes, averaging 9.4 yards per pop, 14 passing touchdowns, 3 interceptions, 13 sacks, a 160.1 passer rating. Kyle McCord suffers tremendously under pressure, and that 9.4 yards per pass attempt, along with the 64 completion percentage, tells you that normally he either throws an incomplete pass or he finds Cade Stover, Emeka Igbuka, Julian Fleming, or Marvin Harrison Jr. deep. I mean, the upside is there because of those NFL athletes. And there aren't just NFL athletes at offensive skill positions. I I highlighted them specifically because we know that the defense and everywhere on the defense is elite. But look at these defensive statistics for Ohio State, too. 37 pass deflections, 5 interceptions, 2 pick sixes, 6 forced fumbles. Ohio State caused 2 fumbles by elite running back Braylon Allen before he sadly went down. Hopefully he's okay. 16 sacks, but keep in mind, despite that only averaging two sacks per game, most of those are achieved with a four-man front. Not five men going forward, not six, not an all-out zero blitz with no safety help, uh, big plays against Michigan and Georgia. You can insert here from the zero blitz. You could say that Jim Knowles' new scheme is a intense reaction to last year's failures, Ohio State's defense is still working, and it's definitely improved. Tui Moalau has four sacks, 20 total tackles, two passes deflected. Tyleek Williams has a fumble recovery for a score, five passes defended, two sacks, 33 total tackles. Michael Hall, one and a half sacks, 12 total tackles. Jack Sawyer has a half sack. Sonny Styles, Kenyatta Jackson Jr., Mitchell Melton, Tommy Eichenberg, Jordan Hancock, and Caden Curry along with Hiro Kanu, all have one sack. The weaknesses of this team, the offensive line play, allowing you know 16 sacks on the season in only eight games, unacceptable. The health of players recently has been an area of concern, whether it's Travion Henderson, Emeka Igbuka, JT Tuimolau went down against Wisconsin. It, it's not as bad as last season, but... The strength and conditioning staff can draw rightful criticism when there's consistent injuries to some of the Buckeyes' most impactful players. And finally, 
inconsistency at the quarterback position is a big weakness for Ohio State. But if the offensive line continues to improve and they looked better against Penn State and Wisconsin than they did at any point in the season, especially compared to Indiana and Maryland, that will fix more problems than McCord being a better quarterback. Because a lot of McCord's inconsistencies, especially his inaccurate throws, are a result of poor protection by the offensive line. That's Ohio State's story. Michigan opposite when it comes to strength of schedule, one of the weakest strength of schedules in the country. You look nonetheless, though, at their numbers. Again, on the left-hand side of the screen, you can't deny that that's impressive. Michigan scores a half a point per play, more than half a point per play. That's nuts. They go down the field. And whether they don't have to convert a single third down or defense is holding the third down, who cares? Run for a conversion, pass for a conversion, forcing three and outs on defense, looking dominant in just about every game. This team is elite, and it's the best in college football in terms of efficiency, execution, and dominance. They're one of the least penalized teams in all of college football. They're number one in points per play allowed on defense. They're number two in points per play, period, only behind USC. And you watch Michigan's offense operate and you watch USC's offense operate against similar competition. Yes, USC's offense, I think, is a higher upside. I'd much rather take Michigan's consistency and superior trench play than I would USC's pure finesse. Also, USC has... No defense, so, you know, that that plays a role. But the Wolverines, they're also first by a mile in yards per point margin. Ohio State was second, and they had a 12.2 yards per point margin. Michigan with a 28.4 yards per point margin, which is absolutely berserk, even if you consider the weak strength of schedule. I mean, there are so many teams that we have witnessed through the college football playoff era that have weak strength of schedules, and they don't compare in terms of efficiency to this Michigan Wolverine squad. Michigan averaging 6.8 yards per play on offense, only allowing 2.9 yards per carry. Michigan, their defenses post-Don Brown era have struggled against the run at times, especially in 2021. This year, nope, nope. Michigan Michigan hasn't allowed anyone to rush on them. And their secondary, again, I think Ohio State's is much more impressive given their strength of schedule. Michigan is still second in average passer rating allowed, allowing only a 96.25 passer rating. And Michigan, here's an intriguing argument. Michigan, because of how efficient they've been and how they've been able to just take teams out by halftime, Michigan has played their backups a lot more than many other teams have. So part of me wonders if when they face, you know, a Penn State, Ohio State, for example, and bear with me, this is just hypotheticals. That's all this is. Michigan might have, you know, some of these advanced statistics weighed down because they play tougher offenses and tougher defenses. That could be balanced out, though, by the fact that Michigan might play their starters for 
all four quarters and probably will in both of those matchups. And Michigan, they have un, uncomparable veteranacy, experience, and physicality when it comes to their starting lineup. Michigan returned, I mean, they were top five in returning production. Top five in returning production from 2022. And they were third in the Power Five, only behind Kansas and Florida State. And when you look at the blue chip ratio, which does matter, even though it sucks to know that you have to recruit at a high level to win it all, which basically kills any hope of a major Cinderella story, at least one that you know happens somewhat frequently, Michigan has a much higher blue chip ratio than Kansas or Florida State. Michigan has a better strength and conditioning staff than either of those two teams. Michigan has a better head coach than either of those two teams. Michigan right now has the better quarterback. And Jordan Travis is a great quarterback. And Jalen Daniels, when healthy, is an elite quarterback. So out of teams that returned, if we're rounding up almost everyone compared to last year, Michigan, even by a significant margin, is the best. And that kind of experience, the memories that that team has, you know, that that TCU loss is in the back of their head. This team takes everyone seriously. And yet at the same time, every opponent they face, they've taken seriously, but they treat it like a business trip. So they know how to manage their emotions. They all have high football IQ. They're fluid. Michigan has, they have athletes at skill positions. Roman Wilson, Cornelius Johnson, Michigan's wide receiver core has a lot of younger guys like um, Frederick Frederick Moore, for example, Samaj Morgan, Tyler Morris, younger players who are coming on the scene, Benjamin Hall, great running back, Kalo Mullings has transitioned nicely from linebacker to running back. It's good to know that he's practicing right now because I think Michigan will need him to maximize their chances to win against Penn State and Ohio State. He's a very effective downhill runner, has a lot of power, puts effort into every run that he makes. And this offensive line, even though it's not as good as last year's unit, is still elite, one of the best in all of college football. So I observe Michigan. I watch them like I watch Ohio State. And via the eye test, Michigan's the best team in college football looking at how they play. They have had one game, one game, where they have struggled. And it wasn't struggled in the sense that they couldn't move the football down the field, you know, up and down, um, horizontally, um, vertically, whatever you want to call it, diagonally. It was turnovers. The Bowling Green game. That was it. That's it. They struggled with turnovers. Not They could move the ball on Bowling Green. They could stop Bowling Green, but whether it was muffing kickoff returns or J.J. McCarthy forcing passes when he should have just taken what he got, he played a little too much hero ball, Michigan struggled with turnovers, but they were able to move the football. They had one of their more dominant run performances of the season. Bowling Green now, by the way, I think they are 4-4, four and four, so they've improved compared to their matchup against Michigan, but against East Carolina... UNLV, Rutgers, Nebraska, Minnesota, Indiana, and Michigan State. Michigan has looked nearly flawless 
when their starting lineup is on the field. They have had some issues when it comes to defending big plays through the secondary. We saw this when Billy Kemp of Nebraska and Daniel Jackson of Minnesota were able to get you know, big gains through the passing game. Christian Dremel from Rutgers as well. But, I mean, that that's that's nitpicking because those plays were still very few and far between. Against Indiana, the Hoosiers were able to get pressure on the Wolverines. Rutgers was able to get pressure on J.J. McCarthy. So, I am going to admit where Michigan does have some faults, but they, like Ohio State, have few weaknesses. Michigan's strengths are their elite on offense and their elite on defense, and they do have a high upside pass attack via tight ends and wide receivers. You know, a fascinating debate that I want to open up, and I'm not going to give an answer here. Does Michigan or Ohio State have the better passing attack? The fact that we're answering, that, that we're asking this question is bonkers, but there is a case to be made for Michigan. And it's because they have the better quarterback and they have the better offensive line. McCarthy right now, who who has better arm strength? J.J. McCarthy. Who can escape the pocket and make, not, not saying that McCarthy is a, you know, Hall of Fame NFL quarterback, but quarterback, but who can make Patrick Mahomes-esque plays and just change the entire field even when his system collapses? But J.J. McCarthy, because he has legs. Who has better accuracy? J.J. McCarthy. Who has better experience? Again, J.J. McCarthy. Even though Ohio State has the better wide receiver room, and Cade Stover might be a better individual tight end than Colston Loveland and A.J. Barner, although Michigan has two near-elite to elite tight ends, Ohio State just has one, that difference at quarterback and the support system in the trenches to help protect said quarterback, that could make enough of a difference to say that Michigan has the better passing attack. The fact that I'm even talking about this and discovering that it's a rational argument is foreign to me because Michigan did not have the better passing attack than Ohio State in 2021, in 2022. In fact, Michigan hasn't had the better passing attack than Ohio State in, I don't know, since maybe the the mid or early 2000s when Michigan had Braylon Edwards? I don't know. It might even be further back than that. And I think Michigan, obviously, looking at their offensive line, their running back room health, I think they have the better run game. So that's what's fascinating about Michigan is this Michigan team, in the same way, in the same way that Ohio State looks like 2021 Michigan in a certain sense. This Michigan team, to a certain degree, this is a more imperfect analogy than the Ohio State one, I think. They look like, you know, 2019, 2015 Ohio State, where they have, like, NFL talent littered everywhere. Again, imperfect analogy. I think a a better analogy that doesn't make me cringe or you cringe would be Michigan's comparable to last year's Georgia team in in many respects, especially with the efficient passing game. J.J. McCarthy, you know, having the legs of Stetson Bennett, having the experience, you know, not being a big, bulky quarterback, but being a fast, nimble, quick decision maker, accurate passer with a good support system 
surrounding him and an elite defense to give him several opportunities and not put pressure on him. So this team, I've said it again and again, but I want to make it known because some people will deny it. Even with the weak strength of schedule, what Michigan has done is impressive. And barring barring an unforeseen act, this type of efficiency will continue likely for the rest of the year because it's been showcased in seven of Michigan's eight games and against their toughest opponents so far to this year as well. Big pass plays allowed on defense is problematic, though. And with Ohio State having Marvin Harrison Jr. and the type of connection that, you know, Marvelous Marvin has with Kyle McCord, I could see that being a problem in the game. So, Michigan or Ohio State, let me know who you think is going to win the game down in the comments section below. And again, I'll be doing an episode similar to this in length and in content, but, you know, with updates and discussing, you know, some different topics as well as more games are played and more news about these teams is cycled through, as always happens during the regular season, there will be some changes. But I'm going to be doing a similar video to this in, in one sense or another until the game hits us, and I just cannot wait for it. Thank you to my Patreon followers for sponsoring this channel. I want to give a special thanks to Spencer Bringhurst, Noah DDLC, and SFS Inverted, my All-American patrons. And also Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, Matthew Salen, Chris Lane, my all-conference patrons. Check out my Patreon page via the link in the description so that you can support the channel and, depending on your tier, receive bonus content. Have a great day, guys, and I'll see you around. Bye-bye.